Today on the Arkansas Moderati Podcast, powered by the Purple People Project, we talked to Veronica McLean, head of CAPES, on the effort and intensity of bipartisan volunteers towards making LEARNS a more fairly discussed and debated legislation. We talk about the shadiness of an unconstitutional emergency clause to used to pass the bill, as well as the slow walking nature of our AG in the beginning of the challenge that probably killed the ability to get the right amount of signatures. We talk about how GOP representatives have privately said they hate the bill and how it actually became law by them squirming and holding their nose and being cowardly legislators that is as epic as it is pathetic. What's next? How can the organizations that have been fighting the creeping authoritarianism from winning the ultimate battle in Arkansas? And what can we learn from these bipartisan efforts to help ensure that we kill the supermajority? Also, Sarah goes to Helena in Arkansas and doesn't talk about water. Some love for the absolute worst person in the administration, little Lexi Carpetbagger Henning, which is perhaps the worst stripper name ever. Jacob Oliva seems to be in some hot water for um, tr um, trying to grift Florida out of millions, maybe. And the soup Nazi says, what? No porn for you. Stay tuned. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm going to read a quote and I want you to give me your reaction. Oof. Okay. This is Dangerous, from the Arkansas but... Times about our friend Jacob Oliva. Quote, in short, an education department official working under Oliva and a Florida Board of Education member both resigned after it came to light that they likely used insider knowledge to try and win a contract worth $4 million in federal COVID funds to run the troubled Jefferson County Schools, a district taken over by the state in 2017, maybe a harbinger of things to come. The Miami Herald reported that the Department of Education restarted the bidding after two senior department officials former K-12 Chancellor Jacob Oliva and former Vice Chancellor for Strategic Development Melissa Ramsey and a member of the State Board of Education created their own company and filed a competing bid. Ultimately, the plan to spend the money on consultants was dropped. And they add very dryly, Oliva is now Arkansas Department of Education Secretary. I just want to say one thing before I hand it over to you. The fact that the Florida education officials are called chancellors is just maybe the most beautiful bit of beautiful irony I've ever seen in my life. You know what? When you were speaking, <laughs> the first thing that I made a note of was the use of the word chancellor. Like, how can you, if you know that book banning is somewhere in your immediate future, how in the hell does somebody not have a meeting and say, hey guys, you know, what we might want to do, you know, to avoid some of these Hitler comparisons that are coming down the pike, you know, is to to stop referring to the person who's in charge of our educational system as a chancellor. Every time you say it, I'm just like the self-own that these people do, unless unless the purpose is to remind us of the thrilling days of yesteryear when Nazis were on the march and, you know, there were piles of books burning everywhere, et cetera. Well, you know, that's okay. his name from now on, as far as I'm concerned, is Chancellor Jacob. Chan yeah. Chancellor. And I'm, I'm going to say Chancellor. it. Mm -hmm. Chancellor <laughs> but here's the deal, man. So what we're what we're missing is that allegedly and maybe um, right. he was trying to line his pockets. And I think uh, the writer in the Arkansas Times article says that at best he knew about it. At right. worst, he was a willing participant and trying to put money in his pocket. And this guy is now in charge of learns in Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's easy to say maybe the guy thought he would move to a state with, uh, I don't know, I, I think we're like in the bottom eighth for uh, internet access. So, you know, he's basically hiding. He's like, well, this is probably going to look bad. I need to go somewhere where people can't communicate and, and make contact with Florida to find out that I'm a crook. 
you know, it's, it's the equivalent of, uh, well, the Nazis going to other parts of Europe after the <laughs> Hitler died, you know, but well, unfortunately really for Jacob, we do have enough active internet connections in the state here that somebody from Arkansas Times was able to get a hold of this story. And it turns out that, you know, there's there's an awful lot of grand juries uh, in session in Florida right now. Do these yeah, people know anyone who's not being litigated for something? It's madness. Well, and the one central piece in this whole thing is the employment of the governatrix Sarah Huckabee Sanders, because she is associated with all of these people that are involved in indictments all across right. the eastern seaboard there. Rudy Giuliani, the pillow guy, Donald Trump, now yeah. Jacob Oliva. I mean, they just come out of the woodwork. In Proud Boys guy. Proud Boys guy. He's, you know, he's. He's done. He's in the right. in the slammer. Yeah. But um, the one linchpin of this whole thing is is Sarah Sanders. And even a lot of the Republican folks that I've been talking to these, I can I contend that there are good, good Republican folks in the state of Arkansas that are yes, just are. have been along for the ride and, and are waking up now, uh, not becoming woke because, God, that would start something. Right. But um, they are starting to understand that she's a grifter like her dad and like her other dad, Donald Trump. And. They're just, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And when there's a turdy smell, there are turds. Apparently, the good news for Jacob is that uh, apparently the MAGA base doesn't care about convictions. He'll be able to survive this and, and you know, he'll he'll have a few moments of uncomfortable embarrassment, but then he can continue to implement the Learns Act from prison or, you know, wherever he ends up. Well, maybe. I mean, you know, they cut off porn in Arkansas, so he may not want to stay. That's true. Uh, you know. He and Ben Shapiro can get together and conspire about the fact that the female orgasm is a myth and et cetera. Thank God that they, they've got everything else worked out to the point where the, yeah. the largest issue that they could come up with was. And, you know, I've seen people turn this around and go, well, your problem's not with the state of Arkansas. Your problem's with Pornhub because they all they wanted us to do was collect a series of names and numbers and addresses and birth dates and ex home addresses like how do you go from being a like small government conservative to being completely okay with, you know, the private entity slash government needing you know, a list of names? It's like you're you're only a step away from the scenes in Casablanca where the cops are approaching people on the street and asking for their papers. Yeah. Well, to me, you know, putting limits on Pornhub um, really only hurts people that maybe only work six or eight weeks out of the year, like perhaps the Arkansas the legislation. I mean, they, they, they seem to have a lot of time on their hands. Maybe it's, maybe it's really hurting them more than anybody. Well, based on their Duggar interactions, I would say they probably have everything that they need saved to their hard drives. They don't actually need internet access to. Well, when I see it. some of these guys posting in like the pictures of our legislators, I just think that guy, that guy has spent so much time on Pornhub. He found the end. He found the <laughs> end of Pornhub in his. Right. Yeah. Looking. There's no more to see. And, you know, I guess probably somebody ought to get to Marjorie Taylor Greene and tell her to stop showing off pictures of uh, Hunter Biden's junk on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Flying we don't want Pornhub, but we can do it on on the floor of the House of Representatives. Yeah. It's a whole new day. So let's talk about uh, Sarah went to Helena, comma. Finally. Oh, wait for it. Wait for it. It's Helena, Arkansas. Right. She a found city. the state. Uh, probably. And she didn't talk about water. Well, no, she, she, okay, to be fair, like, I want to give credit where credit's due. Somebody asked me the other day why I hated the governor, and and I don't hate the governor. I, it's, uh, 
the the policies and the unprofessional way that she approaches her job are repellent to me as a recovering Republican. I, I just can't I find precious little to agree with the woman about. But finally, after I don't know, where are we six weeks in now? Finally, she goes and has a face to face with these people reading between the lines. It sounds like they have been like providing, you know, water buffaloes full of water so that people didn't, you know, just evaporate or die. But for for you to say, when you get to a place where they they estimated that to fix the thing would cost between a million and $10 million, and the governor shrugs her shoulders and says to those people, well, I'll give you a loan for a hundred grand. I think we can agree that what government is for is to deal with the big things. And I don't know what's bigger than making sure that a town in your state has running water access to level stuff. water right exactly what is your job and and you know it's awfully suspicious that it's taken so long for her to address the issue in a part of the state that did not support her candidacy that you know one i think it was like 7525 the vote i'm i'm going from memory but it was not close it's a it's a blue box in a part of the state that was otherwise bright red. And I'm not here to give the governor any advice, but let's play it out this way. Let's say those people called and said, hey, we don't have any running water. And you're the governor of a state and you're looking at this, you're looking at the map and it's blue there. And you say, okay, I'm going to put all that aside and I'm going to do the right thing for the people that that voted against me. I'm I'm going to put all of my partisanship aside and I'm going to I'm going to prove that we can create effective government like old school conservatives. Used Something to that do. nobody could argue against. Right. It, it's, exactly. It's, it's partisan proof. It's an easy layup win for her. All she had to do was go on television and say, listen, I don't care if this is expensive or if it's, it's going to be hard to do legislatively. We are going to make sure that these people have water to drink. Because it's the bottom rung of what effective government is about. And I'm going to fight for it like I've never fought for anything in all of my life. All she had to do was do that. And she gets a 10-point bump in the polls yeah. because people who yeah. did not support her are suddenly like, oh, she's going to be an to be a governor for all of us. And yeah. the people who did vote for her say, that's my governor. But instead, what you've done is waste millions of dollars with your border patrol Barbie act going down to the border to, you know, stand next to razor wire, which by the way is killing people. We've got confirmed stories of dead people tangled up in that razor wire that you so proudly posed with at the expense of $1.2 million to the taxpayers of this state. While there were people who actually needed that money within the boundaries of the state you've been elected governor to that you're forcing to beg. And, you know, apparently this last week, like I, I'm proud of her for going and having the face-to-face -face meeting to these people. But apparently yeah, but she shrugged her shoulders and said, well, I need an engineering. Bullshit. Bullshit. Your, your job is to show up there and say, no matter what it takes, we're going to address this head on and I'm going to bulldoze everything to make sure that sooner rather than later, there's running water for the people, for everyone in my state, full stop. Oh, let's talk about the fact that um, even in the face of the huge publicity issues that they're having, Anheuser-Busch, the company that makes the beer that turns you gay, 
I mean, mm. it, it does. It turns you gay. They send 100,000 cans of, of pure water from their plant to the Helena area. So Anheuser-Busch, the company who makes the beer that makes you gay, right, right, did more for Helena water supply than Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Man, that's that pretty much says it all there. Like, I mean, Bud Light's shitty beer, but probably yeah, it's pretty not, good water. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's barely beer. Like, it's mostly water is my objection to it. Uh, but, you know. At this point, anybody that's willing to help and be on the side of righteousness, in this case, I am all for. And, you know, she, the the shit that she strokes her pen and immediately, Ugh. you know, spends our tax money for. Did you call her Border Patrol Barbie? Border Patrol Barbie. <laughs> like, you know. I don't see any Barbie there, but that's really just my end of one opinion. Can we talk just one minute? I have this vision in my head that I want you to either confirm or, or deny um, oh of while they're in Helena, uh, little Lexi carpetbagger Henning has her Instamatic camera just frantically searching for brown folks to take a picture of with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Because these these smiling white people conventions at the learns things are getting a lot of publicity because there's never there's never a brown or black person there and brown or black folks are going to be disproportionately affected by learns but yet when she goes to do these town halls it is just like gilead recreated right there in a room i have this vision of little lexi worst stripper name ever by the way little lexi running around with her instamatic camera trying to take pictures of sarah with anybody remotely tan brown or black just Discuss. people not standing in good light probably at this point like you know you know somebody that had a little bit too much fun at the lake and uh, but anyway I, I owe you an apology on this particular subject i have to say I, in the beginning I, I didn't see any point in talking about communication karen i i felt like like you know if you look at her resume it's like a re- repugnant row of people that she's worked for. It's like Ron Johnson, the guy that, you know, has never met a conspiracy theory that he wasn't willing to endorse. And she worked for uh, oh, Cruz, a man who was willing to lay down while Donald Trump accused his father of murdering a president of the United States and called his wife hideous. Uh, that was act two. And now she's gone to work for... Sarah from Mar-a-Lago. And let me just say this. What really bothers me about this woman is that she's so unprofessional in the way she approaches her job, right? Like if you just read through her Twitter feed, it's just nasty, unprofessional remark one after another. And listen, I'm an amateur podcaster. I I don't, I'm not held to that same standard. She is the spokesperson for the governor of the state of Arkansas. She's got one of 50 communications jobs for governors for in America. And just the nastiest vitriol constantly coming out of this woman's mouth. Like, I just, I, what I really want to do is just ask her if she has no shame or dignity. Like, Oh, that's just, just a useless conversation. Did you call her communications, Karen? Communications, Karen. I'm I'm trying that out. I'm not sure it's going to stick. Well, what if uh, if you spelled it with a K, a K communications, yeah. Karen, and then you added like co-conspirator and you spelled co-conspirator with Ks, then you would have co-conspirator communications, Karen, Lexi, 
carpetbagger. Yeah. I don't know if it's co-conspirator or curmudgeon, Karen, or I mean, you know what I mean? Like, Crappy communication. Trying a bunch of things because I I want to make sure that I'm treating her with the proper. I mean, let's be clear. They're not really people until they have some nicknames. Right. Yeah. Small hands. Barbie. Well, I mean, I'm just so tired of being called a radical leftist when I'm about the least lefty person yeah. on the planet. And, 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 you know, she, and so she, she can be co-conspirator communications, Karen, for all I care. She went out of her way to say that people that re repeat things over and over again are propagandists with no awareness that she's constantly repeating the radical left thing and saying constantly that we all oppose $50,000 raises for teachers. Just the most vile bullshit that any, I won't say any, because Sarah was communications director for Trump and she yeah, had but, a, but, but, a but, pretty good run at being vile. Uh, but uh, Lexi makes makes Sarah look really good at the job, to be right, yeah. quite weirdly honest. I mean... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's, all, it's only a matter of time before she takes the same tack and just stops addressing the people that she's supposed to. And, you know, the other, let, I'm, I'm going to appeal to her now. Just shut up and tell us what the governor's positions on things are, because that's what your job is. You should not be defending anything on t Twitter. You should not be attacking anything on Twitter. Your job is to tell us what the governor is up to and what she thinks. And that's it. You're not defense minister. You're not minister of nasty comments. And, I like uh, crappy communications, Karen. I like that one. I think we're going to see if that one sticks. Well, if it smells like poo, as you're. But I mean, but unfortunately, that's if we do it with K's, that's three K's in a row. That's yeah. I, that might be. That's where the line is. Yeah. It's, maybe. It's All right. So, is there anything else you'd like to rant about today before we introduce our guest? Well, so a few things. Uh, as I pointed out, they could have by now uh, set some money aside for this drinking water issue. But instead, what we've done is approve, I think it's $8.2 million to study the feasibility of a spaceport in Arkansas. Yeah, because Stop. that makes sense. Push that money into the people need to drink water fund and go on with your life. Like, I mean, well, I mean, look, not a I'm all movie. for a spaceport. Sure. If, it, uh, if when we break this uh, supermajority nightmare, we're able to put some folks on spacecraft, that would right. be nice. On one way trips, hopefully. Like, you know, tomorrow's headline from uh, crappy communications, Karen, will be purple people, guys, sentence governmental right. officials to death, threaten to load us all onto rockets. This is what radical leftists want. Well, before right. we oh. dive into um, our guest today, I wanted to bring up something that that you and I talked about earlier is we're going to talk to Veronica McLean about uh, learns. And one of the things that's really hitting me hard is how bipartisan this effort was. Right. How my theory that there are tons of of good, sensible Arkansas Republicans out there that we do not need to alienate is probably true. Mm -hmm. She confirmed that in a lot of the interactions there were some good Arkansas Republican folks out there working hand in hand to get get this done in a very bipartisan fashion. What's right. what say you on that? Well, to the surprise of no one, right? Like we yeah, deal with people exactly. every day at the exactly. grocery store and the gas station. <clears throat> now, wherever you interact with people, you'll find people that you know are not 100 percent aligned with your political views, but they're still at their heart good, solid citizens who expect their government to represent everyone and to act professionally and to replace chaos with efficiency. 
Now, in spite of the fact that the attorney general put his thumb on the scale for 40 days and made it as difficult as possible for a ragtag group of honest, hardworking volunteers to come up with the nearly impossible numbers that this government expects, hear the voice of the people. And uh, they're they're all, you know, the, the case people played by the unfair rules that these people laid out, and that still wasn't good enough for them. They still had to come in and be nasty about it at the end and act in an utterly unprofessional way. Here's, here's a quote from the governor for you. I ran for governor, and Arkansans elected me on the bold promise to overhaul Arkansas's educational system and break the failed status quo. Arkansas Learns is the plan our state needs and voted for overwhelmingly. I'll stop right there. She continues to say, that everyone knew what learned was about before the election. And it's patently false. She gave us bullet points only. All right, I'll go on. Her, the second part of her quote, self-serving partisan extremists tried to play political games to undermine learns, overturn the will of the voters and hold our kids back. Today it's official. They failed. Arkansas students won, and my administration will continue to raise teacher pay, invest in literacy, and empower parents and students students through learns. Now, the there's so much mistruth and ugliness in that that I'm not sure I can get through all of it. But self-serving partisan extremists that does not accurately describe the people that I have spoken with that had right. objections to right. learns. I, I don't know how it was for you. Yeah, and but- even we learned from last week's uh, talk with Trevor Magara, his mom said that, um, look, if wow. uh, the people that I've been – and she's a long-term uh, – if you haven't heard the episode, listen to it. She's a long-term Republican, voted for Trump uh, as many times as she could, and she said if the people that Trevor and I have been working with for the last two months are radical leftists, then they're some of the most wonderful people that are around. And so you know, Sarah represents all the people in the state. The radical lefties, which there are about 10 of us, or 10 of them, not of us, the people who are in the middle, which is most of us, the people who don't have drinking water, the black folks who don't get what they need to to survive and make it happen, the brown folks who are working, the little kids that are now able to go to work. She represents all of these people. And for her to take shots at giant swaths of the state is just unconscionable to me, and it just shows that she's no better than her orange overlord uh, living in Mar-a-Lago and soon to be in jail. You know, Alexa told us that if you repeat something over and over again, you're being propagandized. Every single statement these people put out about learns includes this tiny piece about teacher pay. If you're a small district in Arkansas and you're scraping by budget wise, you don't know, you're not sure that you're going to be able to fund the next semester, let alone the next year. And your teachers are out constantly begging people in your district to provide them with pencils and paper and stuff, books, stuff so that they can get through the school year because the the district can't fund it. If you go to those schools that probably had, let's say, 30 percent of their teachers were not at that fifty thousand dollar threshold and said, hey, you've got to give all of those teachers raises. Yeah. Think about what that does to small school budgets in Arkansas. Those schools instantly go into distress, instantly go into distress. And 
when you couple that with the fact that you're providing a parachute for the the few wealthy kids in those schools to get a voucher and move on to a private school. So I I could not be more proud of the work that the Capes people did. I uh they they played the the game by the rules that this dishonest legislature uh laid out for them and they came just a handful of signatures close uh, away from actually getting this thing on the ballot which should not have offended anyone in this state let the voters go through this entire thing give us time to look at what you're proposing because we're going to be dealing with the fallout from this long after you move on to your next job well that's Madam what governor that's what P3 supports, right, is getting rid right. of the supermajority. Because if the supermajority is not there, then there will be debate. There will be challenge. There will be discussions. There will be hallway discussions. I mean, in everything is made better through that debate and discussion. And for my Democrat friends out there, my Republican friends out there, um, this all comes back around to the first discussion point, which was Jacob Oliva being a grifter. Like, it's almost he is going to be associated with a grand jury investigation in right. some way that is all about grifting. So we've got to make sure that we get rid of the uh, supermajority, and that's the main job for the next 18 months. And, you know, I'll say it as gently as I can, about three-quarters of the membership of the Purple People Project are former Republicans. Right. I, I, I really agree with most of the things that the, that the Dems are trying to do in Arkansas right now to regain some sort of sanity in the legislature, but I don't want a far leftist group uh, having a supermajority either. It's just supermajorities are not the way to go. So, so anyway, we are going to welcome on now Veronica McLean, who is the, one of the heads of uh, CAPES and one of the heads of this huge uh, effort to this bipartisan effort to make learns uh, a more fairly discussed and debated legislation to put it on the ballot so that we could vote for it. Uh, she and that team just did a fantastic job, and I think the learning that we take from that will help us in fighting the supermajority battle. So let's bring her on and talk to her about what's going on. All right, Veronica, thanks for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm Veronica McLean. I live here in Little Rock, Arkansas with my husband and our two kids. They both attend public schools. I am a social worker, mental health therapist by trade. And I feel very passionately about obviously public education, but mental health, lots of those other things. I work full time, but also devote a lot of time and attention to trying to advocate for better policy here in the state of Arkansas. Great. We're going to talk today about the LEARNS Act, of course, and the CAPES effort to get a ballot initiative so that we could all decide for ourselves whether or not this is a good idea. If you would take me back to when Alexa Henning says that Sarah spent two years wandering around the state giving us the details of this, which I, of course, am waiting to see some kind of transcript or proof that's anything just, other than for fair balance, I usually get a tick when he brings yeah, up twitching Alexi, when we talk so, about yeah. Alexa. He's intolerable on the subject. But anyway, so the Learns Act begins to be discussed and you start hearing details and just take it from there for me. What were the things that worried you the most about what you were hearing about what the governor had planned? Yes. Okay. I would like to backtrack a little bit too, oh, to, good. you know, thinking about Alexa keeps saying that's just straight up lies. It's, it's just propaganda. not true. We need to call it out like it is. Yes. And, you know, in October before the election, she announced the acronym LEARNS, right? right? 
And we were like, okay, but there's no details there. We did know, and we do know that she is part of the school choice movement, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a misnomer. We have had school choice for a long time. And again, just more lies and propaganda and misstating the facts of what they're calling them EFAs. We know it's a voucher scam. We public school advocates did know that they were going to try to do a voucher scam. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't truly understand the magnitude of that. And then we did not know that it was going to be an omnibus bill until it was really dropped. And that was what we were fearful of. But I was part of the Pay Our Educators Coalition the summer before. And we fought to the nail to try to get those pay raises for the educators. And we were told, just wait, let us get the, the studies back. We've got to look at the numbers. And they, the legislature denied the educators then. And then it was, oh, we'll do it during the session. And so we had the presentation of the Raise Act, which would have fully funded and covered those raises. But no, we're going to, and then it was, wham, here's learns, wham, we're not going to listen to you, wham, it's passed. Right. With no rules or regulations. My understanding is that they tried to introduce a standalone bill that would have taken the teacher raises portion out and made it not part of the omnibus, and they couldn't get... Oh, no, because we know why they put the raises in there. Right. And that's to hamstring educators who have been underpaid and mistreated mm-hmm. for so long. And that's why I, I keep, you can put whipped cream on a pile of poo, but it's still poo, right? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what they did. And they handed us, for lack of a better word, they handed us crap and said, but you'll love it because there's some sprinkles. And, right. and that's gross. But the thing is, Most of the educators that I know that are well-versed in educational policy and understand the ramifications of the LEARNS Act know that and are willing to give up their raises to save their schools because we know what's going to happen to these schools. Yeah. Okay. LEARNS is announced and there's finally some details and you start hearing about the details and try to pull the funding issue out (laughs) separately, but- it's clear that's not going to happen. And explain to me how we get from there to CAPES. If yes, I, I am also one of the co-founders of Friends of Public Education Network, which is a Facebook group that helps connect districts to their communities. We cover multiple districts across the state. We started obviously in LRSD and it was when we were fighting back against the state takeover. Um, and so I had a lot of feedback from communities about what was going on and then being part of the pay our educators coalition we had a committed statewide group that worked on that and we fought hard during the session you know trying to get people to sign petitions and trying to get people to email their legislature legislators and to you know show up and testify and all of that and we really saw a swell of support through that just and it was very grassroots so it wasn't one group was leading something, right? And so- uh, It wasn't busloads of protesters delivered by some shady- Because, thing. yeah, we don't have that funding. They had the busloads of children in their uniforms being dropped off at the Capitol, which is fine and good for them, but they don't represent Arkansas right. in the same way that a child in a public school, because let's look at the numbers. Anyway, so it was, okay, a lot of people felt defeated. There was sadness. There was- And I tend to be pretty action driven Mm. and I don't give up easily. And so it was, okay, 
I got to find something to do here. And so I just started speaking out and, and through this work, you get connected to random people here and there, and then started seeing the work that the Royal Caucus was doing, what Paraeducators Coalition, other organic grassroots Arkansas, um, all these different organizations are bouncing ideas around. We're all trying to come up with things and everybody has a plan. Everybody wants to do something. And then I just got connected and we were just putting it out there. Who wants to help with this? And I was like, I want to help mm. and jumped in and the rest is history. We had a Zoom meeting where everybody was like, what are we going to do? And it was hosted by Steve Grapp the executive director and of CAPES. And so then from there, we've just been building the organization. Okay. So CAPES is <laughs> Citizens for Arkansas Public Education and Students, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. And so to get, what your goal was to get learns on the ballot where the voters of Arkansas had a chance to say yay or nay once they actually heard what was in the bill. Okay. And you needed 54,109 signatures to get that done. And 54,422. 422. Sorry about that. <laughs> that number. Thank you for having real back. numbers for us. But, but you're supposed to have 90 days and you ended up with 50. Explain that to us a little bit. So our first two attempts at the ballot title. So prior to the new law that was passed, again, under a unconstitutional emergency clause, and that was- Wait, let me stop you right there. Is, has there been any action on that? Did they just decide they don't care? They're just shrugging their shoulders and saying- and On the what's... emergency clause lawsuit that right. Allie Nolan, yeah. <clears throat> so that is still, I believe, briefs are due next week to the Arkansas Supreme Court. So we're still right. on hold there. Okay. So- if the Supreme Court rules that the emergency clause was in fact unconstitutional because it didn't follow the plain language of the constitution of the mm. state, which it did not. Right. And we already got that ruling from a, a county judge. If that is the case, then anything that they did prior to August 1st, implementing the Learns Act was unconstitutional. Right. And if it is held off and we get our signatures, which we don't know yet. Right. Then if we got in enough signatures, we hold the Learns Act in abeyance. We hold it off until the people vote. So that emergency clause is crucial. Right. It's crucial. But the 1550 county law, excuse me, y'all. I've been talking a lot and not sleeping a lot. The 1550 county law is uh, also covered by an unconstitutional emergency clause. So it technically did not go into effect until August 1st. Mm. Right. So do with that what you will. Okay, so I'm sorry to sidetrack you there. Now go back and tell me about the, the title issue and why they held oh, you yeah. up for 40 days. The first draft that we turned in, at that point, because we reverted back to the attorney general having to approve the ballot title, instead of prior to that law change, it would have just been registered with the secretary of state we could have immediately started collecting signatures without approval and honestly it should not be the onus of the people it should not be on the people to write a ballot title when they're doing a veto referendum especially when you have an 145 page bill mm. that has to be summarized has to be succinct has to be thorough and you can't hide the most important things at the bottom and it has right. to fit on a ballot and it has to be within a 10 minutes time range. Those are the parameters that we were operating under. 
I don't want to be cynical, but it sounds like it could have been designed to slow walk in case they wanted to slow walk something. And that's where this whole thing gets really icky to me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about making it harder for the people to exercise their constitutional rights. And but all of that aside, like I'm going to follow the rules that are out there and I'm going to do the things. And so our first our first go, they were like, no, but they were taking the full 10 business days. Right. And, and so they could have taken less time. That was by choice. They could have said they can help us write that mm. by policy. Right. But they chose not to. The second time we turned it in, it was still a no-go. So that's when I went and I asked for a meeting with Tim Griffin. And I took an attorney that was helping us draft the third draft. And we went and we had a meeting with him and some of his staff. And we said, okay break it down. And so then it was, we had a team of five or six, seven or eight people that spent day and night taking this full document. Clever Trevor was a big part of that and breaking it down into, okay. And then we're ranking it, right? Because we have to rank each part of it. And we got it down from 145 pages down to 16. So we turned that in. Um, and then they took the full 10 days, came back, and then said, yes, this is approved, but we don't think it'll stand up in court if anybody challenges it. Great. <laughs> but that's if somebody sues against the ballot title. But the thing is, at that point, we would have had all of these signatures. We would have had lots of media attention. It is very clear what we're trying to do. People can go read the Learns Act at any time. They don't need to wait until they get into a voting booth. It was attached to every single one of our petitions, the full language, plus the summary ballot title was attached to every single one of our petitions. That's why our packets were as big as they were and cost as much as they did to print. Mm. Yeah. It's just, so, I'm sorry. It just, I'm glad I'm not cynical because if I was, I would think it was all designed to be a pain right. in the ass. And, and it I don't wouldn't know what be a pain in the ass here. It would not be a pain in the ass if it was something that they wanted to run quickly. It would not take the whole 10 days it's very painful to watch. Yeah. And it was painful. It was really hard. And we didn't know if it was, if we were going to get approved that third time. And there were a lot of things due to us being all volunteers, due to us being shoestring budget that we couldn't even start doing until people were like, oh, we all actually have a chance now. We'll give you some money right. now. So it wasn't really until we got that approval that we were able to even afford to start printing. And we started out with me at home with a little printer oh. and it took me on a home printer 15 minutes per packet. And right. so I was here at home printing and printing and printing. Right. And then we're trying to get these across the state. And then we finally started getting some connections with printers and things like that. But that was our biggest slowdown after the approval was having the money to print. Oh my God. It's, it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 54,422, you needed signatures. I've seen you came up a handful short, or you believe that you have the, it's, I know it's hard to know. And I'm with Tom. I'm, it's a good thing I'm not cynical because I don't know, insert your phrase here, thumb on the scale or slowing down the record from spinning. I don't, which one would you prefer? I'm sure you've had enough time to, to think about this where you've got one that is a lot more eloquent than what I can come up with. As far as, are you talking to me as far as what yes, the outcome yeah. will yeah. be? Describing how they they tried to hold you up. What would your... I just keep it? calling it and titling it what it is an Which attempt is. to take away the voice and the will of the people. 
an attempt to take away the voice and the will of the people. That's, that's a lot better than what I had, Tom. What was it like that day that you went to visit and you saw the attorney general? I saw that picture. It looked quite cordial. He's deep in in the opposition of this stuff, which that's not the way it really should be, especially for an attorney general. But what was it like that day when you were talking to him and to others? Was he first question I have, was he wearing a sidearm? Because every picture I see is he's walking around wearing a sidearm. So was he cordial? Was he packing heat? I I honestly, I didn't notice. If you notice in the picture, I was wearing a mask and he was like, oh, are you sick? I was like, no, it's, there's still a pandemic. Yeah. And, but anyway, but no, I don't know if he was armed, but I'm an Arkansas girl. I think we can, we, we do need some responsibility. I was pretty much, I was joking anyway, but yeah. (laughs) But it looked Uh, like a cordial meeting, but was it, did it feel funny being in there talking to him about something that he's obviously opposes or? It was mainly me talking with his, his deputy. Uh, attorney general there and and another staff member and I'm blanking on their names right now so I apologize but they were everybody was kind he came in he obviously had a little bit of um, hard feelings about some of the things that were being said about him in the media and tried to talk over me a little bit and chastise me a little bit about what I had said and and so I had to assert myself a little bit and get my voice back because that's often the case in rooms with female versus males talking, especially when the male has the power differential there. I had to assert myself a little bit, but then we were able to get down to it. And we it was, you surely are here to represent the people and you want to do everything in your power to help the people. And he agreed that, yes, absolutely. And I said, okay, so let's let the people know that we're working together. And so that's when we took the selfie and it was cordial, as cordial as it could be. And I I was grateful that they were willing to take the time to meet with us. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that actions and words always line up. And I'm well aware of that. This is politics. And I know that there's a lot of pressure from other forces going on. And so I don't want to make assumptions about anybody's character or anything like that. But my hope would be that the elected role that he is filling is for the people and not for outside interests. It's hard though. We're in an era where so we're, we're having, because of these super majorities and the way that we gerrymander and everything, we're in a democratically elected authoritarianism moment in our country. And when everybody at the top or everybody, all the elected officials are so aligned by force or by whatever, it just creates an atmosphere where trust is really hard. And that's what, that's the evil of a super majority. As we were talking before we started, if, if there wasn't a super majority, there would have been discussion, debate, challenges to this stuff. And that work that you guys did across 50 days might not have been necessary, but it was, but it became necessary only because there was a supermajority. Our local rep here, I will, I'll hold his name back. He has told people privately that he really held his nose and felt queasy about voting for the bill. He's held up in this community as a champion for education and the betterment of our schools and he voted for it and he didn't want to. And it was clear that he didn't want to. But he said, look, if I get uh, primaried, you may have someone in here more Trumpy than I am. And it, the answer to that is you all vote the same. So it really doesn't matter how they are. So it just the damage of this supermajority is cannot be overstated, in my opinion. No, and I completely agree with that because that has been incredibly difficult and was difficult to watch. And again, by trade, I am a an observer of people, right? And I'm watching, reading kind of those things. And when I see legislators, their voices are shaking. Right, yeah. Their hands are shaking. They're fighting back tears, knowing they are turning their backs on their communities 
because they are being threatened. They are being threatened. If you don't go along with this, we're going to lock you out. That is not democracy. Or lock your community out of funds and resources and everything else. It's not only just threatening them, it's threatening constituents and families and, and people. It's shocking. And we had other guys that were going to local Moms for Liberty meetings. We have it on camera of him telling people in that room, I don't even bother reading the emails from those people, talking about people that might have questions or concerns. That is not leadership. That is not what you were elected to do. I don't care if somebody voted for you or against you. Once you were in that role, you serve everybody and you must. And we saw them sit up there spineless and they turned their back on the people of Arkansas. They failed to do their job that they were elected to do. And so the people are now having to fight to the nail across all against all odds to be able to take our rights back. The claw back. And that's because they, yeah, they failed. They failed the people. And every single person that voted for that without questioning it should be voted out. Yeah. And, and to be clear, Capes is bipartisan. It's, yeah. it's, there are people on both sides of the aisle that are equally concerned about this legislation. And it'll be here long after Sarah has moved on to whatever job she's got her eye on next that we're funding her run for quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, say a little bit about that. Like, this is something that appeals, the idea of, of putting it on the ballot. I'm sure you heard more than bipartisan support for. Absolutely. And we have people like staunch conservatives, Republicans that worked on and continue to work on this effort. We have people, so there are topics we do not approach, right? We are laser focused on public education because that is the great unifier. And I said that in my previous interview with Yale's podcast, where that is the one thing at the root of it that everybody can get behind. And when we start getting propaganda and lies and manipulations from the people that are elected to serve us, and they start telling people that, oh, this will help you. This this is about school choice. And I just tweeted right before we got on here. A lot of people don't even realize you, if you take a voucher and you go to a private school, you give up your rights to federal protections for IDA and all of those things that you would have in a public schools for IEPs, that kind of stuff, special services, you sign that right away. Right. Most people don't realize that. Mm. And people want children to do well. They want their communities to have good schools because that brings people there. They want to have a, this is what our economies are built on, is a well-educated community. And most logical, rational people, regardless of party, recognize that. Yeah. Going back Sorry, to the, that's fine. No, that's fine. But going back to that previous question, are there any interactions that stand out in your brain, in your mind of when you talk to more conservative folks and, you know, what their opinions about this were and how they felt about stepping across the, the line of their own? And no matter what happens, I think the most important thing is we have started a movement. And I think that y'all recognize that. I think that you recognize that people are finally starting to pay attention to the, like what's going on. And so even if this doesn't work, we're not done. We have plenty of things that we're going to work on and things that are going to continue to help people understand what's really happening and get them to engage civically. And let's get back to normal. Let's get some balance here. Let's all come together. And like you keep saying, get rid of that supermajority and let's let the people have some power. Absolutely. 
Listen, thanks a lot. Good luck. All right. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.